Hey, it's Andy from Talking to Teens. It would mean the world to us if you could leave us a five-star review. Reviews on Apple and Spotify help other parents find the show, and that helps us keep the lights on. Thanks for being a listener, and here's the show. You're listening to Talking to Teens, where we speak with leading experts from a variety of disciplines about the art and science of parenting teenagers. I'm your host, Andy Earle. We're here today with Lydie Klotz talking about his book, Subtract, The Untapped Science of Less. In his award-winning research, Lydie has discovered that the human brain has an issue. We are very quick to add things when we're trying to solve a problem or make something better, but we overlook the other solution, taking something away, subtracting something. This is a phenomenon that is deeply wired into the human brain. On today's episode, we are going to dive deep into the science of subtraction neglect. We're going to see how this tendency causes us to fall into information overload, causes our schedules to get filled up with all kinds of unnecessary junk. It causes us to get stressed out, adding more and more and more to our lives without stopping to take things away. Importantly, we're also going to look at some solutions. We're going to look at a tactic called inversion that can make subtraction easier and more likely. We're also going to see how we can think about motivating our teenagers to do the right thing by removing the barriers that are stopping them from doing it right now. We'll talk about the power of lists with less and we'll go through the four steps to easily add the power of subtraction to your life. Professor Klotz, thank you so much for coming on the show today. You are studying a unique topic. You have a book called Subtract, The Untapped Science of Less. How did you get interested in the topic of, of subtraction and of less? And why do you think it's important? Yeah, I, it all started when I was playing Legos <laughs> with my three-year-old, actually. So um, we're basically building a bridge as best as I could tell what he wanted to do. And the, the problem was that the bridge wasn't level. So one of the support columns was longer than the other one. And so I tried to fix this problem. I turned around behind me, grabbed another block to add to the short column. By the time I had turned all the way back around, he had subtracted a block from the longer column. <laughs> and so I was like, that's it. That's what I'm interested in. That, that like, why did I not even think about taking away as an option? And so I, I'm, uh, you know, my background is engineering, design, and then some into behavioral science. And I'd always been interested in like kind of minimalist designs, even like decluttering your home or, you know, environmental challenges where it seems like we just kind of keep adding to solve problems that adding created but the epiphany so it wasn't like my son's bridge turned me on to all of those things I was already thinking about those things but what my son's bridge showed me was that I wasn't so much interested in this end state of less but why don't we think of subtracting as an option to make things better and this mm -hmm. is something we do 
all day, every day, right? You're, you're constantly trying to improve your schedule, your, your mental models, your parenting of your teenagers. Um, and when you're trying to improve things, you have two basic options. One is to add to what's already there. And the other is to take away from what's already there. So why don't we think of this, this second one? One of the things that I found really interesting was this study where you had a bunch, a bunch of squares that people could click on yeah. and you wanted them to make the pattern to be symmetrical on both sides and you found that people were much more likely to add them than take squares away in order to do that. I'm glad you picked that one out. I mean, so after my son's bridge, I was like, well, there's been tens of thousands of, well, at least 10,000 hours worth of study that have gone into this. And it, you know, what we found with the study is really close to what happened to me in that moment, which was, I didn't think of subtracting as an option added and then moved on. And that's basically what happens in our, what can happen in our own thought processes. And one of the most convincing things that we had in our experiments was these grid patterns, as you mentioned, Andy, because they're devoid of context, right? You can always explain, oh, well, you're adding to Legos. That's just what you do with Legos. Or you you added to this soup recipe, but maybe that just means people like to add to soup. But the, the grid patterns were just this thing that nobody had encountered before that we created. And we even made a version that it was it was inarguably better to subtract, right? So we had a grid set up where there were four quadrants to the grids and the task was to make the quadrants match or be symmetrical top to bottom and left to right. And then we would pre-design these patterns so that there were extraneous marks in one of the quadrants, right? And so the, and then we said to people, do this in the simplest way possible, make this symmetrical in the simplest way possible. So the simple answer was to subtract the three, yep. one, and you know, but more often than not, people would add to the three right. and miss the miss the right answer. Andy Hales, who's the, one of the co-researchers on the paper, came up with it, and um, it went a long way to showing that what's happening is that people aren't thinking of this. You know, wh- one of the kind of follow-up studies we did with the grids was to have people solve the grids multiple ways. So you say, okay, here's the grid. Now figure out three different ways to do it or four different ways to do it. And then eventually they'd stumble upon the subtractive option. And when they did, they'd be like, oh, (laughs) that's obviously the better way to do it. Way better. Yeah. So that shows that they, you know, the reason they were not doing it was because they weren't thinking of it. It wasn't that they were thinking of it and then deciding against it. Yeah, they weren't like, oh, it's just better to add. It looks prettier when I add more boxes. They really just jumped to the adding and kind of overlooked the possibility of even solving the puzzle through subtraction. And so why do we do that? Um, (laughs) What's going on there? I thought you were going to give me the answer to that. Um, Yeah, the definitive like kind of paper that got published in Naples nature stops at like, okay, this is, you know, we, we have this mental search process and this is something that we do in other cases too, right? That you, you, you think through options. So your brain is searching for potential responses and what's happening is we just come to the additive ones first and then we move on. So that's what's happening in the cognitive level. And it's like, okay, but why is it like, is this biological or cultural or economic? And, you know, 
any behavior, there are a lot of reasons for it. Sure. And I think there are strong kind of biological forces, cultural forces, and kind of socioeconomic forces that pull us towards adding. And, and that's, you know, the chapters two, three, and four in the book, you know, so there's a lot, a lot there. I mean, biologically, it's just like, we're, we're wired to acquire, right? Like we want to eat. That's historically has helped us pass down our genes to the next generation. It's been a good biological trait. And that kind of same instinct extends over towards, you know, hoarding stuff, for example, is like triggering the same um, reward pathways in our brain. Also, another biological one is this innate desire we have to display competence just to show that we can effectively interact with the world, right? So like my son playing with Legos, part of the reason he likes to do that is because it's like, okay, I can, I'm creating, I'm making things. Um, and I'm, and, and also I'm like doing the same thing that, that grownups are doing. Yeah. So those are two of the kind of big reasons why this might be happening. Um, also just my friend, Ben, who's also uh, helped with the co-author on the research. He, he talks a lot about how what's going on in our head is influenced by what we see around us in the world. And we're just surrounded by reminders of adding, right? Um, you know, mm -hmm. if somebody's subtracted to make things better, like somebody removed a highway through the middle of your city, for example, it's like, after a while, that reminder is gone. And so you're not constantly bombarded with seeing these examples, visible examples of subtractions that have made things better. So there is probably an element of it where it's like what we're seeing around us in the world just reminds us to add more. Yeah, they say out of sight, out of mind. Exactly. Right. You forget about how many, all the times when subtraction made things better because you don't keep getting reminded of them. You also had uh, some studies showing that like when people were distracted, when you had them trying to do other sort of different tasks or to have numbers flashing across the screen at the same time as doing the grids, then they're even less likely to, to be able to find subtraction as an answer to the problems. And I wonder if that means when you need most need to be able to slow down and subtract and take some things away because you're super overwhelmed you're actually also less likely to kind of be able to arrive at that solution or figure that out it seems like a negative downward cycle of doom um, yeah we need but, we need to come up with a name for that to, and then like put it I, i'm so mad i didn't put that in the book you're the second person who's brought this up and it makes perfect sense so it's like this this very thing that could relieve it it, you know, it's, it's created this downward, we'll call it the downward cycle of subtracting doom for now, right? In, in honor <laughs> of Andy. But it's, yeah, the experiment was, you know, there's these numbers scrolling across the bottom of a computer screen, and you have to like click whenever a, a certain number comes across. And so basically, you're trying to do two things at once, and it's adding cognitive load. So the the takeaway there is, well, if we subtracted cognitive load, we would be better at thinking of subtraction. Of course, subtracting cognitive load requires us to subtract in the first place. And so like this, the same tendency, and we found in our experiments that, you know, this jump right to adding kind of happens across ideas, um, situations and objects. Uh, so the same tendency to add to our ideas or to add to our tasks is probably taking us away from being able to think more of subtraction, which is, is possible to do if we kind of uh slow down a little bit 
I think of this kind of creep that happens and that it's so easy to get into with basically anything that you do. And I think especially with teenagers today, it's like you start using one app and then uh, you add another app and then you add another app and pretty soon even just you're spending a little time each day on all these different apps it takes hours because um it's kind of just gradually creeps up on you like that and um we never kind of take the time to go back and prune those things that maybe are not serving us as well or something like that and uh, i think it's easy to kind of get overwhelmed by things like that i wonder what we can do to sort of help kids uh find balance or stay in a, a more balanced place uh you start get a Snapchat, you start Snapchatting for a little while, yeah. then now you're on TikTok, and then then you got to get on Clubhouse too. Right. And pretty soon, uh, you don't have even hardly enough time to play Fortnite anymore. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's real problems. Um, yeah, I think the same thing happens in like kind of regulation, right? Where we just add more rules like yeah. this. Oh, here's a problem. Well, what, what rule can we add to this? And we never think about what can we take away. And so like the code of federal regulations in the United States has grown like 17 times and like <laughs> since 1950 or something ridiculous. But I just learned that like British Columbia um, put in a rule where it, like, well, at first they started with, if you add one piece of legislation, you have to take three away. So you could very well do that with the Ooh. apps, right? It's like, if you add one thing, you have to take three away or maybe just take take one away. That would at least keep you um, at the at the status quo. Um, so so those kind of rules um, could be quite, quite helpful um, because I think, you know, again, what we found in the research is that we don't tend to to think of it, but if you... Another another thing that worked in the research to get people to subtract more was just to cue them that this is an option, just to say, hey, remember, mm -hmm. you can add and subtract, you can add or subtract, and then more people subtracted. So the the rule that you have to take one app away whenever you add one is a kind of a little more blunt than just a, a cue, but it would work in the same way where at this like moment of decision where you're trying to make your the situation better, which in this case would be your digital life, I suppose. You're like, I'm trying to make my digital life better. I need to add Fortnite, you know, okay. But to fit Fortnite on here, you've got to take off TikTok or to, or maybe even just a cue that says, hey, you just added this. Would you like to remove anything that you haven't used in a while? I guess also, yeah. I mean, though, like the way our brain prunes synapses. So when we sleep, one of the things that our brain does is like, you know, prunes the connections that we haven't been using. Um, and that allows it to devote more energy to the connections that it is using. And so, you know, I guess we, we could kind of automate our computers to do that too. Or if you haven't used an app for a year, it just goes away, but that doesn't really <laughs> save you any time because you're not using it. The question is like, how do you, yeah. How do you think to remove TikTok because you finally realize it's not making your life necessarily any better or is it making it you know that your life would be better if you were spending time on some other other app <laughs> yeah or like realizing that you're spending more time on your device than you were six months ago and that you were six months before that or yeah um yeah sort of like setting some sort of uh, rules for yourself to to just be make that more conscious yeah and i think i mean yeah we're pick, poking fun at you know, teenagers on their devices here, but it's like this, that's the exact same thing 
you know, grownups in quotes do, right? I, you know, I get some new task at work that I'm assigned to and I'm like, okay, yeah, I'll do that. That's like aligns with my mission. I'm on it. But very rarely do you think about like, oh, what what's the stuff that I'm doing that doesn't serve me well anymore? And so this mm -hmm. is, you know, we just overload ourselves in in all these different ways and with the same basic process where we don't think to take things away. I mean, it's hard. I, the my friend Ben, we were like two years into our research and we were talking about this issue in our own personal well, our own personal work lives. And he's like, Hey, I'm taking our research to heart. I've uh I, I said no to a new committee meeting. I said, well, Ben, you didn't actually say, you didn't actually subtract there. You just didn't add. Um, <laughs> so that's like, that's like not adding Fortnite. Um, but it's, it's not the same as yeah. like taking away something that you're already doing. So it's, it's easy to just miss the concept. And it's, um, but the, mm -hmm. you know, when the problem is that you've got too much to do in the time that you have, you need to take some stuff away. You just can't. <laughs> You can't just add slowly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Only add the really, really, really good stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so talk to me about the idea of inversion. What is inversion and how does it apply to subtraction? Even after we think of subtraction, right? Um, one of the reasons we might not choose it is because we perceive it as something that's bad, right? And of course, the whole premise of the book is like, of course, there's times when subtracting is bad and makes things worse. But what we're specifically talking about is when taking something away makes it better. Um, and so one thing is to try to continuously explaining that it's like, no, subtraction is not bad. Subtraction is not bad. But subtraction just does have a negative valence. I mean, there's, you know, valence being like how people feel about a word and there's researchers who will go on the internet and code all the words and what they're associated to. And you can figure out, okay, this word has a neutral valence. This word has a positive valence. This word has a, a negative valence and subtracting has a negative valence. So until everybody reads yeah. my book, it's going to have a negative valence. So in the meantime, we can, we can invert, right? So instead of calling it subtracting, talk about, you use, use synonyms that don't kind of have the negative valence. And one of my favorite examples is this brilliant landscape architect named uh, Kate Orff. And she, she's done a lot of cool like green infrastructure projects. And the example in the book is uh, Lexington, Kentucky. She has this beautiful plan for downtown Lexington. And, and a lot of what she did was take away some of the built up kind of concrete infrastructure in the downtown and, and reveal a stream um, and then also create some parks and create some connectivity. And so, I mean, she subtracted a lot of stuff. And, yeah, but if you look right. at her drawings, she's got four big words on the drawings that are like, this is my design theme and uh, clean carve and reveal are three of those words. And all three of those are uh, like synonyms for subtract, but they're all, they all sound way better than <laughs> so I think, yeah, if, yeah. if you're, if you've thought of subtraction and you're trying to convince other people of why it can be good, you might, you do well, maybe to, to come up with a synonym for it if they haven't read my book yet, because it'll, uh, <laughs> it'll, it'll avoid this negative valence and avoid this perception that, that less is a loss because less is not a loss. I also love this phrase that you have in here. Uh, maximize the information to ink ratio, <laughs> which is also sort of um, a subtle way of doing that. You're talking about maximizing um, something, uh, but you're actually talking about simplifying it. 
We're here with Lydie Klotz talking about how we can improve our families by taking things away. And we're not done yet. Here's a look at what's coming up in the second half of the show. A quote that gets attributed to Lao Tzu is to gain knowledge, add things every day, to gain wisdom, subtract things every day. Yes, take it away, but then you could also leave it on your calendar, right? It's like this free time brought to you by that subtracted meeting, right? Or this time for doing the work that's actually important brought to you by the fact that you subtracted. And that's the way that you can kind of surround yourself with these reminders and, and cues to force yourself to do it. So researchers have thought about this, like education scholars have thought about this a lot because they're like, yeah. okay, kids come into the classroom and part of the problem is they like think they know stuff that's not actually true. So how do we <sighs> got to get rid of that so that they're leading on a, you know, starting from a, a stable foundation. And um, so there's this whole like line of work that's like, okay, how do we subtract misconceptions? Right. We got to get rid of all those wrong beliefs in there so we can uh, yeah. start. Yeah. And so there are people like classify the misconceptions and then like develop strategies to get rid of them. And they eventually gave up. Like they said, this is just too hard. We can't read, we can't get rid of the misconceptions. Um, and it was partially because it was too hard and partially because it kind of lent itself to, you know, a teacher, you know, some kid comes in from another culture and has these beliefs about the world and that they might not be valued as much. So I think it's, it's generally yeah. good that we got away from that framing, but it, part of the reason was because it wasn't successful. Like it's people who are just very resistant to getting rid of these misconceptions. And you can think about um, like my son's right in his Santa Claus stage. And so like he was confused when he got Legos um, from Santa Claus. He's like, well, doesn't, how does Santa have plastic stuff, right? I thought he just had like a wood workshop. And it's like, oh, well, yeah, for Legos, uh, that's obvious. Like he, he, he works with directly with Amazon for that. And my son's like, all right, good. That, that matches. Cause what, what, what happens, right. Is you're presented with this fact that contradicts what you already know. Right. Yeah. And it's far easier to kind of reshape each of those two things so that they work together than to say, Oh, what I already knew isn't true. Um, yeah, right. and we constantly do that. If that's the fundamental problem, one thing that can be helpful is, it's hard for a right new idea to overwhelm a wrong old idea. Want to hear the full interview? Sign up for a subscription today. You get access to all the interviews I've conducted, as well as new episodes weeks before the general public. It's completely affordable, and your subscription helps support the work we do here at Talking to Teens. Thanks for listening.